1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. for you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always is, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. This will only hurt a little. What comes next?
0: More so. All right. I don't have any idea where that one came from. But uh, maybe our listeners do. Yeah. It's from a movie I watched on Netflix Instant. Don't judge me. All right. So this leads us to a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Dave from New Hampshire, and Dave says, Hey, guys, love your podcast. I was listening to your podcast about USB Firewire, and in the podcast you mentioned the backward compatibility of USB versions. I hear these terms a lot, backward compatibility, upward compatibility, and I'm always wondering, what do they really mean? How about demystifying this topic for me and my fellow loyal listeners? Thanks for all you do, Dave. All right, Dave, we're not going to do a full podcast on this. We figured we'd answer this question quickly before moving on to the main course. Okay, then. But backward compatibility is a pretty simple concept. Let's say that you have a device and it runs a certain kind of software. Okay, And then let's say that technological advancements and, and processing power and, and manufacturing costs have gotten to the point where you can make a new version of this device that runs new software and can do lots more stuff than the old version can. Okay. So let's, as a simple example, we'll go with a video gaming console. We'll say PlayStation was the original one and PlayStation 2 is the new one. Right. So PlayStation 2 comes out and it can run new games that the old PlayStation can't run. Mm -hmm. Well, backwards compatibility means that the PlayStation 2 has built in it the capability of playing older games from the PlayStation 1. Right Now, people who like technology really uh, tend to enjoy the backward compatibility uh, 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 model because it means that the stuff they've bought before will still work on the new stuff they have now. They don't have to keep... Multiple versions of the same device because the latest one will run everything.
1: Right, right. If you, especially true, uh, I think of the video game consoles because a lot of people fall in love with a particular game, or yeah. a particular build of a game. They're they're. Uh You know, we were recently talking about the new version of Civilization, and I know that uh, some people really like Civilization 2 and they couldn't stand Civilization 3. So people would continue to play the older version of the game, and, you know, if their computers wouldn't run the older version of the game, then they would have to either give up the game or. You know, continue keeping their old machine around so that they could continue to play that, or find some
0: sort of emulator, right? That would allow them to play the old game, right? Yeah, that it's really what we're talking about here is the ability to to use older technology mm-hmm. using a new device or software model. I mean, it really it it can be anything. It's just a general concept. Upward compatibility is kind of similar in the sense that you design something with the idea in mind that future iterations of that device will still be able to run the the software you're developing now. Right. So it's it's really it's forethought. You're thinking, all right, I've built this device, I want to make sure that every device I build in the future, we'll still be able to run the stuff I've got now in case people really like it. Yes. Uh, so it's it's one of those concepts that, again, is really popular, especially among gamers. Uh, y- you hear whenever a new system comes out that does not support earlier versions. There's a lot of griping and complaining. Mm-hmm. Nintendo is infamous for this mm-hmm. because Nintendo not only will give you a new game system, but will require a new kind of medium. Right. You know. You might have cartridges in one system, and then you have mini-discs in the next, and then slightly different-sized media for the for the next one, and they, none of them will work on the other machines, so you can't play your older games on your newer machine. Sometimes,
1: yes. Of course, the Wii actually is a big step for that. Yes, uh, because I only mention that because someone will write in and tell us that you can play GameCube games on the Wii, right? And it will let you download games for the Genesis and older Nintendo systems too, right? So, that, that, yes, they did make a big step in that regard. With
0: right, but if you look at things like the the NES, Super NES, n sixty four, GameCube, I mean, it's just it's a history of not letting you access that older uh, that older product without keeping your older game system around, which just means that you end up getting really cluttered. Yes. So that's the whole backward compatibility, upward compatibility issue. And now we're going to move on. It's kind of a related topic. It's definitely related. We're going to talk about early adopters and why they're important. Okay, then. So first, I guess we should... you know, define what early adopter is. It's actually, it pretty much is what it sounds like. It's a person who is some someone who will adopt new technology before the general crowd does. So yes. it's it's the people who have to have that latest and greatest thing as soon as possible uh, before it becomes. the the most, you know, commonly owned device out there. So early adopters are the people who moved to cell phones before anyone else did, smartphones before anyone else did. They're the ones who adopted the new form of, like, DVDs and CDs and and HD DVDs and Blu-rays.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, actually, the first—if uh, this sounds a little foreign to you—that's because this is not really tech speak. It's what I would consider marketing speak. Yeah. The first—the uh, first instance I came across of uh, the term early adopter was when I used to work in marketing, and um, it actually came—and in, in where I came to be aware of it—from Jeffrey A. Moore's book, mm-hmm. uh, which was first published in 1991 called "Crossing the Chasm," mm-hmm. and. Uh, m- And uh, Moore comes up with basically five groups of people. The innovators, the early adopters, the early majority, the late majority, and the laggards. Right. Basically, the innovators are the people who are the bleeding edge. Yeah. As soon as it comes out, they've got to go buy it. They're the first in line, the first day, a brand new product. Is released. They don't care about the possible bugs. Um, They don't really care that it it may or may not be a lemon, or that it may not, you know, take off with the market. And there's stuff that comes out that's compatible with it. Right. Um, They just want it, and they want it now. And the early adopters follow behind them, but not. Too far behind them. Right. These guys, the two groups, really make up the uh, the people that marketers have been trying to reach with tech products. Really, probably since uh, since technology became such a hot consumer thing.
0: And innovators can sometimes get hold of products before they even hit the market. That's true. We're talking about people who are so motivated to get hold of this technology that they form relationships with. Uh, engineers or companies uh, sometimes they're people who work within a company for instance uh, Google's a good example mm-hmm. Google Google does this thing called dog fooding mm-hmm. where they encourage their employees to consume the same products that they are building mm-hmm. so for example the Nexus one the the Android phone that Google put out on the market right that was a developer phone that was an in-house developer phone before it ever hit the market and Google engineers had been playing with with it for several months before the public ever got a chance to play with it. Mm-hmm. In a way, the Google engineers were manufactured innovators. You know, whether they had that particular personality trait or not is beside the point. They actually were using it before anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea with Google is that you can turn them into innovator types because uh, they'll, if they like the product, they'll go out and they'll talk about it, and then that'll lead to the next round of early adopters. Mm-hmm. And we should probably give some percentages here because. You can think of the whole different classifications as a bell curve. Yes, you can. So on the the bleeding edge, you've got the innovators, which make up about two point five percent of the entire uh, market, and then you've got early adopters, and that's an additional thirteen point five percent. Right. So we're still talking about sixteen percent of the entire market. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody else falls into either the early majority. So we're talking about the people who who follow behind the early adopters and buy it but they're not buying it you know right out of the gate they're waiting a while to see what the early adopters think mm-hmm. and then you have the late majority those are that's everybody else I I would probably fall into that category for most uh, products yeah and then you've got the laggards who are the people who they'll buy something once it becomes clear that the stuff they they own will no longer work for them yes so the, these are the people who will eventually break down and buy a cell phone just because everyone else has one and they are you know they're they, they need one now. Yeah. Or they'll finally go out and they'll, they'll buy a video game system long after it's been off the market because now it's being sold in used game stores. And they're like, well, I've always wanted to play this, but I never had the, the drive to actually go out and buy one when it was on the market for realsies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Now, I, I was going to reference back to, uh, to the chasm here. Chasm, yeah. uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the word, are, uh, because we do have a lot of people who uh, may not know, uh, is, a, is a gap. Mm -hmm. So, traditionally, there, uh, uh, at least according to uh, Moore's thinking, there is a a gap in between the early adopters and the early majority, and the trick for marketers is to get people in the early majority to buy it, so they want to the the marketers and the product engineers want to cross the chasm between uh, just this small you know sixteen percent population of the market to everybody else right and basically they figure, hey, if I can get all these people to take it on and start using it then they'll start spreading you know word of mouth but we have to get people talking about this thing otherwise it's only going to re- re- you know reach this 16% of the market and we'll be trying to create a brand new product something else to sell to people right so they want to they want to bridge that gap and that's where the title of that book comes from and for the most part uh, you know it's it's been a it's uh, played out pretty well, pretty true to form.
0: Yeah, what's interesting to me is I, I read uh, some survey results from uh, uh, Rogers Consulting. They, they yeah. did a famous uh, survey on this back in the 80s, and it's still kind of something that holds true today. Yeah. Uh, they found in their survey that 59% of early adopters held either a master's degree or a Ph.D., Hmm. So we're talking about people who have reached a high level of education. Um, they have a lot of, uh, they normally have a lot of income they can dispose of mm-hmm. because it, that's one of the things about being an early adopter is it means that you're buying the technology back when it first premieres. It's usually when it's the most expensive and you have to, you have to be willing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. right you're going to be investing in a technology there's no guarantee that technology is going to be successful yet so you're spending a good deal of money on a product that may not succeed and may not be supported for very long so uh, so these people are are highly educated and they are risk takers and they have lots of money yeah kind of the people i want to hang out with <laughs> well it's 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 very
1: challenging to reach past the early adopter segment uh, for different people and, and they're looking at it different ways the venture capitalists who are the people that fund brand new companies um, are looking are constantly looking for a way to reach past the early majority because they want to fund stuff that's going to make them lots and lots of money mm-hmm. now a brand new startup developer, uh, making a software or hardware product is really not concerned with reaching the early majority because they want to re- they want to reach the innovators right. and get them to start buying it and have the early adopters start buying it. And hopefully after that, I mean, they're not really worried about this. And this is, this is actually what I got from, uh, reading Ale- Alex Iskold's article on Read Write Web, mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. I thought it was funny because we started talking about doing this podcast and he just wrote this, this article about it. Um, he actually used the example of the iPod as uh, something like that. Now, Apple didn't have that same problem because people knew who Apple was. Yeah. Um, of course, at the time, the iPod, they were still uh, still regaining some credibility after uh, several bad years of, of products where they were losing market share for the computers. They really didn't have any other uh, consumer electronics on the market other than the computers at the time. Um, but they had something brand new. They had an MP3 player, and they were entering a market that already had other people uh, in it in the MP3 sure. three player market but what they did they came up with an, uh, a pretty product you know people pick on Apple for having pretty products but you know that helped them cross from the early adopters to the early majority because that that was one of the things that people liked about it that and the fact that it it was easy to use and with each new version
0: of the product, it became more powerful, and yeah. that helped them move past the the early adopters. One of the things Apple built into the iPod uh, is something that tends to frustrate early adopters, but it's mm-hmm. very pleasing to the majority, which is that you know you remove a lot of the choice, a lot of the freedom yes. out of your product. Mm-hmm. So the product works really well, but it works really well in a specific way. Yes, and and outside of that specific way, it either does not work well or it doesn't work at all. In other words, mm-hmm. you. you you may not be able to use it outside of the way they intend you to use it. Yeah. And for early adopters and innovators, this can be frustrating because they're they're kind of looking for the device that will let them do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. The majority, they want something that works, and they want something that works uh, in, in a specific way. So mm-hmm. a music player, they want a music player that's going to work really well, it's going to make it easy for them to organize their music. Um, they're not necessarily concerned about Customizing that experience or uh, opening it up, any um, they may or may not even be aware of the limitations mm-hmm. of the device. Yeah, it just matters that it looks nice and it works. And uh, actually, Clive Thompson over at Wired had a really good article too. Yeah, I was going to mention that targeting late adopters. Yeah, and this is one
1: thing that I had not considered before. Um, to go back to Iskold's point, another mm-hmm. problem is that some people, some early adopters adopt stuff and give it up before the early majority reaches it. So some things are dying more quickly than others simply because the early adopters try it out, they like it, but then there's another new thing that comes out right on its heels, and they buy it instead. And so they never, the word of mouth never gets going, and they they never really sell a lot of them. But in in, uh, in Thompson's article, that's a completely different thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a completely different he, way of looking he's, at it.
0: He's suggesting that by ignoring the the laggards mm-hmm. you are essentially counting out 16% of the market which is a huge number yeah and just adding a few people from the laggards category into the market for your device would really boost sales quite a bit mm-hmm. and so how would you do that well thompson's point is that that laggards are not necessarily always laggards they yeah. can leapfrog Technologies, yes, and then uh, not the not the company Leapfrog, but they actually jump over generations of technologies and then adopt the latest thing. Once whatever it is they possess is no longer really viable. Mm-hmm. The example Thompson uses is he says, "Take a person who has a Walkman, an yes. old Sony Walkman cassette player." Yes. And they're happy with it. They don't have, they don't see any reason to change from the Sony Walkman until, uh, so they, they skip over the, the, the CD revolution. They don't, they don't go into CDs. They don't go into the mini discs or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, because the Walkman still works fine. Yeah. Then eventually MP3 players come out and then you have, uh, the person who has the Sony Walkman either realizes that they are hopelessly out of date, and they want to catch up, mm-hmm. or their device no longer works because the wear and tear has finally worn it down. Or, mm-hmm. if you're talking about cassettes, you can also just make the argument of the format's no longer really supported anywhere. You can't. Right. It's hard to get music on cassette now. Right. So, if in that case the laggard will go out and buy something, well, the laggard's not going to go out and buy a CD player or, or a mini disc player. The laggard will go out and buy an MP3 player. Right. Which means that temporarily your laggard has switched from laggard to early adopter. Yes. So Thompson's point is that people who are in these categories aren't necessarily always in the same category. situation might come up where someone behaves as if they are in the early adopter category when normally they would be in one of the other ones. Mm -hmm. So Thompson's point is that Manufacturers should try and find ways to market to these people saying, Hey, you know, we know that this product that you have that you love is great and all, but really what you want is this new product because it does all the things your old one does, but it does it better and you've got more options and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of message you need to give to the laggards. Uh, Thompson doesn't really go into detail about how to achieve that because that's not really the point. The point being that, you know, you can't ignore this segment of the market because that's money gone to waste.
1: Yep. I can actually uh, give you a personal example, too. Sure. Um, We picked up a a standard definition television uh, back around 2000 or so. Um, that, you know, was much bigger than the one that we had. And we really liked it. Uh, at the time, high-definition televisions were really, 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 really expensive, at least as far as <laughs> my income was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, you know, I still consider them somewhat expensive. But it's funny because, you know, my wife and I have talked about the possibility of getting a high-definition television. Now now that I do tech stuff and I do a lot of research on these things, um, I've started looking at the ads and going, well, you know, these high def televisions have 120 hertz refresh rates. Well, maybe I should wait until the 240 hertz refresh rates All are right. cheap. You know, and it's it's the same. And I actually, reading Thompson's article, I saw that in myself, thinking, well, see, now I'm waiting for the you know what is currently the uh, the higher standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm waiting for that to come down in price, so that right. you know when I finally do. Because my current TV works fine; it looks it looks fine. I have a nice signal coming in, um, and I don't have to have high def. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I should wait. And I, I thought about it, and of course, uh, I don't fall true to exactly to to his because then I would have purchased a 240 hertz TV and become an innovator or early adopter of that technology. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who go, you know, the thing I got works. I don't really need. to. To fork over a couple thousand dollars for this next big thing that's come out I'm going to wait until it comes down in price and I, you know, maybe there'll be even something newer out that I like even better And
0: that's that's another reason why early adopters are important. Early adopters mm-hmm. will go out and they'll, they have the income and the desire to purchase these products, right? Well, a lot of them do Right, well, <laughs> if you're an early adopter, you better have the income yeah, because you're not going to be an early adopter for long you unless
1: like, you're an early stealer You mean like the people who paid five hundred sixty dollars
0: for a, a CD player or in the an, 1980s. Or 400 or $600 for an iPhone when they first came out. That's true. That's a good example. In mm-hmm. fact, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but early adopters, what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll purchase this technology. It tends to be pretty high in mm-hmm. price. Yep. Um, but that can give an indication of which technology is going to end up being successful, which means companies can invest in manufacturing processes and bring the the cost of manufacture down, sure. which means they can then in turn drop prices without hurting their profit margin too much, mm-hmm. which means the rest of us can get our hands on it because we we couldn't afford a CD player when it first came out. But a year and a half or two years later, the price had dropped to the point where it was now reasonable. hmm Uh, That tends to be the case, but it also means that early adopters run the risk of purchasing a product that never really takes off and therefore never drops in price and and ends up losing support quickly. Uh, Some examples of this, there,
1: there are tons. I know what you're thinking of first, though.
0: What's that? Uh, I,
1: I'm thinking that you're going the uh, HD DVD route.
0: Yeah, HD DVD is a really good example. Betamax would be another one. Yeah, uh, so because those two have some a lot of parallels, the mm-hmm. HD DVD and Betamax stories. Th- these are two different formats for video. Uh, you know, it's video recording and playback. Actually, mm-hmm. for for Betamax, technically it's just playback. Uh, but at, at any rate, you would. Uh, the early adopters went out, bought these things, and mm-hmm. you could argue that one was better than the the other. Uh, for example, in Betamax, its big component was VHS, or opponent rather, was VHS. Yes. Uh, so you had two different technologies. Early adopters adopted both. VHS ended up being successful. Uh, HD DVD, you had HD DVD versus Blu-ray, and Blu-ray. Ended up surviving. <laughs> I was going to say be successful, but there are arguments now that Blu-ray, in fact, Microsoft, yes. uh, at the t- time that we're recording this podcast, this week, an executive over at Microsoft proclaimed Blu-ray to be dead. Now, granted, keep in mind, that's a Microsoft executive, and Blu-ray is a Sony Technology. That that is correct. So you could argue that perhaps they're saying that Blu-ray is dead because they have an interest in Blu-ray not being around anymore.
1: Yes. But they're not offering a, a competing technology. They're actually saying that they believe streaming. Right. Will take over instead.
0: And that's, I'm sure that that is making some people in the majority and laggards pause before adopting Blu ray. I'm one of them, Mm -hmm. uh, someone who has not yet adopted the Blu ray format because streaming is a possible alternative. Mm -hmm. And uh, at any rate, early adopters who adopted either Betamax or HD DVD soon discovered that their product was no longer being supported by manufacturers and so you had a very limited library that you could go to and then you know it, it was just taking up space yeah the, there's a huge history of technology that falls into this category i mean video gaming consoles alone you heard in our history of video games podcast how many old consoles we listed that you may not have ever heard of before because they never took off mm-hmm. you know the atari ended up becoming the dominant video game system of the early or late 70s early 80s Mm -hmm. And the others, like ColecoVision uh, and Intellivision, were able to compete a little bit. But beyond those three, you probably hadn't heard very many of the other names we'd listed. Uh, Early adopters might have bought them, but the majority never moved to them, and they ended up dying. So really, the early adopters are hurting because of that. Uh, The other big uh, hurt is when you are, are an early adopter, you go out and you buy something, and then a couple of months later, the price drops dramatically, and you think, mm-hmm. I'm being penalized for supporting this company. Yes. Um, and the big example there would be the iPhone. Yeah. Apple iPhone. So Apple iPhone, when it came out, I think there were two models, the 4 gigabyte and 8 gigabyte. It was 400 or $600. So the early adopters rushed out and bought them. And I, just a couple of months later, they dropped the, well, they dropped the four gigabyte altogether. Mm -hmm. And the eight gigabyte model, I think, dropped 200 bucks. Yeah. And so, uh, they, the people who, early, early adopters who went out and bought the phone were saying, well, you know, it's a, it's a great phone and I love it, but now I feel like I was an idiot for buying it so early because I spent so much money. Right. And then, uh, Apple ended up giving a hundred dollar, uh, essentially gift card Mm -hmm. apple card to the the early adopters which helped a little healed a lot of wounds Mm -hmm. at least was saying that apple was saying hey you know what we appreciate the fact that you supported this product which you know our company has never made a phone before so there's no way of us knowing whether or not it's going to be successful yeah so that kind of smoothed out some stuff between early adopters and apple but that's that's the danger that you run into when you're an early adopter: is that you, you one are going to spend more money than other people on the same product. You're just going to get it first,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and two, it may not The product may not succeed, and so you may end up with a useless hunk of electronics. True. Uh, and some people, there, there's been a lot of interesting discussion about why people are early adopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's the whole love of technology, sure, but there's also an element of status that comes with being an early adopter. Right. So if you ever have known someone or if you happen to be this person, the person who casually leaves out a new cool device that's in view you know, not necessarily pointing it out but leaving it so that it's easily seen yes. so people are like hey that's really cool then uh, you might fall into that category for example if you're one of those people who happens to have an iPad and you leave it out on your desk so that every single time someone else has to walk by your desk in order to get to his desk he sees the darn thing maybe you fall into that category just a little bit I get your point I'm not pointing fingers. Yeah, I'm yeah. just being well, awfully specific. Yeah, that that
1: that actually, uh, you know, especially since I'm I'm conscious of people saying that about Apple's products. You know, I was kind of thinking about that <laughs> when I when I got the iPad because that's not, uh, you know, at least consciously I, I try to avoid doing that. But it, you know. I, I have no idea whether subconsciously I'm trying to show off to other people. But yeah, for some people they do. They 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 make a, a great big deal out of it. Um and uh you know, that that's uh that's all part of of why people might want to do that.
0: Yeah, it's, um, I'm thinking of a certain uh infamous venture capitalist and his uh his Tesla.
1: Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Now that <laughs> Yeah, that is a a pretty uh
0: that, that's a pretty a, expensive a double. piece of technology that's a double because it's a car which has always been seen as a status symbol true true and technology which is you know more of a a recent development
1: yeah that that that's true it's uh it could be early adopter could be just about uh, uh it could be almost any kind of technology not just a, a piece of uh, computer or electronic equipment or um you know, actually, uh, I, I've always heard that it's sort of a bad idea to be the early adopter for a lot of car models because uh, there are bugs that, that uh, can be a problem. Actually, I was uh, one of the first per- people to uh, to buy an iMac, the very, very first iMac. I was mm-hmm. there on the day they opened the store, the first day that you could buy one. I was there in line. And uh, at that point, uh, Intel's USB technology, that was the first Mac to embrace USB And I had a lot of problems getting USB to work correctly because there weren't drivers available. Drivers are the the piece of software that basically allows uh, one piece of electronic equipment to interface with another. For Mm -hmm. example, in this case, a computer and a printer. I bought a USB printer for it. But you know, I had trouble at the very, very outset trying to get it to communicate with it because there just weren't a lot of. It had difficulty with USB interfaces uh, on and off. It wasn't just that I had a gamepad that I bought for it, which most of the time it didn't really have a problem with, but sometimes it did. And I know that in later iterations, and of course now USB is ubiquitous on on just about every kind of computer that at least that has some kind of external port. Right. Um, but yeah, that that happens a lot with all kinds of uh, early adopter technology you may find that uh, the market isn't ready to support you yet.
0: Yeah, and, and this does go beyond just the physical hardware. Sure. I and mean, software is the same way. Like, mm-hmm. if you're one of the people who loves to try beta programs, oh, yes. then you're an early adopter. You're an early adopter of, of software, not necessarily hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fall into that category. I mean, I'm whenever Google Chrome comes out with a new beta, I'll tend to, to try it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that's... I I don't think anything more of that. That that I don't really think of as a status symbol because it's not like I'm walking around to people saying, hey, look, I have the latest Google Chrome build on my computer. But uh, I have been guilty of other ones where, like, you know, I'm with a group of friends. I'm thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to whip out this Android phone because it's awesome. (laughs) I don't do that anymore because it's two years old, so it's no longer really on the cutting edge. But, you know. Yeah, to your your point,
1: uh, I'm beta testing a game right now. Um, that uh, I've reached a certain point in the development of the character. I created my character and I'm playing through the game and there's a point at which you're supposed to do something to take the step to achieve the next level. And they're saying, okay, you have to choose from these different paths. Which one will you choose? Well, when I chose the path, you know, I spent hours developing this character and building up his uh, his gear and all this stuff. And I, I chose a path and it's like, well, okay, sorry. And now I've reached the point where it didn't take right as it's supposed to in the game and I can't actually go forward with the character now and develop it further because there's a bug in the game that won't let you continue. So now I've wasted, well, depends on how you look at it. I've spent a lot of time developing this character and because I am trying, I'm actually an innovator in this case because I'm beta testing the right. software. And I can no longer develop this character that, I've, you know, sort of poured hours of uh, digital blood, sweat, and tears into developing. So that's that's a peril that you run into. But I, well, actually, I don't get to brag about it because I signed a non disclosure agreement. Well, at any rate, <laughs> you,
0: you get to experience it before I, anyone else.
1: That's true. And it's, it's been a lot of fun doing that. So, you know, there are trade offs.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, uh, early adopters are important. They will continue to be important. They're the ones who are going to really kind of drive the way consumer technology goes. Because, you know, if the early adopters uh, go after it and convince the majority to go after it, that's what we end up uh, seeing available available in stores. Mm -hmm. You know, and the stuff that early adopters go after one year are going to be the things that go on sale on uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday the next year. Yep. So that's, uh, you know... Kudos to you, early adopters. I wish I could also ignore risk, and I wish I also had the the disposable income yeah. that you have. Yep. Uh, right now, I just ignore risk, which is not good when you don't have disposable income. Uh, I don't see how you could ignore risk. It's such a good game. And on that note... Let's close this off. Remember, if you want to give us any comments, questions, you've got a topic suggestion, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. You can find our handle. It's at TechStuffHSW. Or if you want to do the old way, you can always email us. Our address is TechStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
1: If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter TechStuffHSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TechStuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you Zumo Play.